0: appreciate the presence of each and every one of you, especially our sister congregations and those who are visiting from the community. Thank you so much for coming and being with us. We want you to come back tomorrow night. Lord willing, we'll be looking at what does eternity hold for you. It's hard to believe that tonight and tomorrow night, We'll wind up this meeting. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Man, I wish y'all could have been with me and my sister today. We went to Nathan L. Botman's school and took a tour. That's where she and I went to school. The director there was so nice. She gave us a great tour and went and got class pictures and showed us what we looked like in days gone by, Greer. I could prove I had hair. If you would have been there, yeah. If Greer would have just been there, I could have proved it. But now you just have to take my word for it. Tonight we're going to be looking at the judgment seat of Christ. I told you that the most profound thought that I've ever had in my life was that one day I'm going to have to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for the way that I have lived. In this life. That's the deepest and most sincere thought. That one can have. And then the issue is. What am I going to do about that? Am I going to prepare for eternity? Let's look at the certainty of the judgment. It's coming. You know a lot of people have made the argument. There will be no judgment. I don't have to worry about it. I'm convinced that many people are atheists because they believe that if they become atheists, there's no one to whom they have to answer when time shall be no more. Well, they might think that, but that's not the way it's going to work based upon the evidence. There is an appointment of God. I want you to notice. Acts 17, 30 and 31, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he'll judge the world in righteousness. There is an appointed day when you and I will stand before the Son of God, and we will give an account for the way that we have lived in this life. Two events await us if time stands as far as the first one's concerned, in Hebrews nine twenty-seven, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, the only exception being we be alive when the Lord returns. But after this, the judgment that one's going to re- uh, occur, regardless of where you're alive when the Lord returns, are dead. Listen at the testimony of Solomon, in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen and fourteen let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil Solomon had looked around trying to find the meaning of life he would look over here vanity vanity all is vanity then he would look over here vanity vanity all is vanity until finally he saw the true meaning of life. He reached this conclusion that we are to keep, fear God and keep His commandments for that is the whole duty of man. That's why you're here. To reverence God and to do what God has asked you to do. The testimony of Jesus in Matthew twelve thirty-six thirty-seven. 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Notice Jesus says there's going to be a judgment. And you and I will give an account even for the idle words that we speak. The testimony of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done. Whether it be good or whether it be bad. So we're going to appear before the judgment seat of the Christ. And we're going to give an account for what we've done in this body. The testimony of John. 1 John 4.17 Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. In the day of judgment. Now you think about that. That you and I may have boldness. In the day of judgment. The only way you can have boldness. In the day of judgment. Is to be blood covered. Notice the latter part. Because as he is. So are we in this world. Well how is he? The son was totally obedient to the father. You and I are to strive to do the very same thing. Let's look at the persons who will be judged. Sodom and Gomorrah in Matthew 10 15, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What city? Matthew chapter 10, the limited commission. He says, you go forth, you preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you work these miracles, demonstrate you're working for me, you're working for God, the city that receives you will be blessed. But those who will not receive you, dust the dust off your feet and move on. And it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Why? Because these people were working miracles and demonstrating that they represented the true and the living God. How many miracles were worked in Sodom and Gomorrah and demonstrated to them, hey, look, you better straighten up. Now, here's a point I want you to get, and we're going to illustrate it further in just a moment. Do you know come judgment day, there's going to be comparative judgment? Your life is going to be compared to others. This is a serious matter. Right here he says it. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the judgment day than for that city. God says, Christ says, I will show more mercy to them than what I will show to you. Now listen to me, folks. I'm making the point to make this point. You can't afford to go to hell. I can't either. Every day I try to tell myself, Wesley, you can't afford to go to hell. you got to live right. But here's the point I really want to make. You really can't afford to go to hell from America. You've had too many opportunities. How many people in here have got all kinds of Bibles? Look at the freedom we got to come and worship. You think God Almighty is not going to take that into consideration come Judgment Day, the opportunities that were afforded us? You better believe Christ is going to take that into consideration. When I was studying church history, I read where some people would go out and work all day and they'd bring their crops in and they would give half of what they had brought in that day For the privilege of reading a Bible borrowed from somebody else for a couple of hours. You're going to stand next to that person come judgment. How often do you read your Bible? Is there dust on your Bible? I was in a gospel meeting one place. And this family invited me to their home to eat. And the husband said, i got a question I want to ask you. Let me get my Bible. He couldn't find his Bible. He said, I cannot believe I can't find my Bible. Hon, do you know where my Bible is? No. I'm telling you, I can't believe I can't find it. I had it about a month ago. A month ago. He had his Bible about a month ago. Is that the way you and I function with our Bible? See, this is going to face us come Judgment Day. Watch this one, the people of Nineveh. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. You know, Jonah went through Nineveh preaching in essence like this. You're going to hell and I'm proud of it. That was his attitude. You know, he he was preaching repent or in 40 days you perish. And he couldn't wait to see him perish. He went up on the hillside to sit and watch God destroy them. And lo and behold, a vine started to grow and a huge gourd came up. Oh man, what a blessing! It shielded him from the hot sun. And then a worm was prepared that ate the vine, and two, the gourd died. And now he's burning up in the sun. And God says, I can't believe this. You're more concerned over that gourd than you are over the people in Nineveh that do do not know the difference between their right hand and their left. Now, he went through their preaching with a rotten attitude. Now, this tells you something, folks. Truth is more important than attitude. Now, don't misunderstand me. Truth and attitude ought to be mixed together. A good attitude ought to be that which presents the truth. But even if somebody tells you the truth with a rotten attitude, you are to ponder that truth. And if it is the truth, obey that truth. That's what the people of Nineveh did. And the Lord says, a greater than Jonah is here. I am the Son of God. I'm telling you what's right, what's wrong. I'm working miracles to demonstrate who I am. And I can't get you to repent. But yet the people at Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes. And they had a preacher that really didn't care one thing about it. Well, what's going to happen, Lord? Come judgment day, these people of Nineveh, they're going to rise up and they're going to condemn the generation that the Lord lived in because the people that heard the Lord would not repent. Now I want you to watch this. Talking about comparative living. The Bible says, "...then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes." But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. Now I want you to notice what God can do. It's amazing. He can project a group of people into another situation and know what they would do if they had your opportunities. Isn't that amazing? He said if the people of Tyre and Sidon would have heard and seen what you have heard and seen, they would have repented long ago In sackcloth and ashes, there's people that's lived that's never had a Bible. People who've never heard the name Jesus. But God is so brilliant. He could project them into this generation and know what they would have done if they'd had your opportunity. If they would have had my opportunity. Now that's going to face you at the judgment. It's going to face me at the judgment. So what are you saying, Lord? You better take advantage of your opportunities. And if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, it will face you at the judgment. Watch this. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. Why was it exalted unto heaven? You know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Reared in Nazareth, but he lived in Capernaum. Look at uh, Matthew 4, 13. That's where he went to dwell. And wherein many of his mighty works were done. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Listen to what the Lord's saying. Capernaum, if Sodom could have seen and heard what you've seen and heard, they'd still be existing. They would have straightened up, at least some of them, but not you. You had heaven's greatest gift living among you. Exalted to heaven. But you're going to be cast down to hell because you passed up your opportunities. In Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You know, she heard about the wisdom of Solomon, but she wanted to go check it out and see if it were true. You know, after she went and checked it out, you know what she said? The half has not yet been told. Well, then, don't you think we ought to check out the wisdom of our Lord? You know, the people of Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things they were being told was true. You have a God-given obligation, and so do I, to investigate and see what truth is. Now, some of these people came to the conclusion, we don't need to be all that concerned about it, but there were honest people in the first century that came to the right conclusion, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the conclusion that you and I must reach. The world is going to be there. In. Acts 17 30 31 in the times of this ignorance God winked at but but commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. No one is going to be left out. Everybody upon the face of the earth will be there. All nations will be gathered there. Matthew 25 31 32 when the son of man shall come in his glory. And all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That's the judgment throne. He's upon the throne of his kingdom right now. Ruling as king of kings and lord of lords. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Are you going to be in the group of goats? Or sheep? You're going to be on the left hand or you're going to be on the right hand. There's a great day coming when all nations will be there. Not just Russia, not just China, not just America. All nations will be at the judgment. Each individual will be there. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account. Of himself to God. I'm going to have to give an account for the way I've lived. You're going to have to give an account for the way that you have lived. What's going to be the basis of the judgment? Our deeds. You know, you have people out there that say it makes no difference what you do, it makes no difference how you live. Listen to this verse. In 2 Corinthians 5:10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. God knows what you've done that's good. Think about all the members of the church that do good things that you and I never know anything about. <coughs> One of the people here at White Oak that I've always admired, she did a lot of great work that very few people knew that she was doing. Mary Griffith. Boy, what an outstanding Christian. At every service, grade correspondence courses, just do things quietly in the background. Many members of the church didn't know what she was doing, but God Almighty knew it. When you have a home Bible study, I may not know it, but God does. When you feed the hungry, I may not know it. God does. When you clothe the naked, I may not know it, but God does. See, he knows the good and the bad. I got a sermon that I preach on what hell implies about God. And it's not just hell, heaven implies that as well. If there's really going to be a hell, then God has to be every place, All the time, knowing every deed and every thought of every human being. Boy, you think about that. Do you know that right now, God knows every thought of every human being upon the face of the earth, and it doesn't even keep him busy? He's that brilliant. While the greatness of God, we've not touched the hem of the garment on the greatness of God Almighty. Think about a being that can do that. You know, the Bible talks about the minutia. That's not important in the Bible, but God can't help it. He's just so brilliant. He knows it. He knows every hair upon the head of every person. The Bible says that. Well, is that important? No. Some of us don't keep him too busy. But he still knows every hair upon the head of every human being. Why? He's just that brilliant. You know, when the, when the sun is coming through the window, you can see these little dust particles in the air. He knows how many in here. Is that important? No. He's just that brilliant. When a sparrow falls to the ground, the Bible says, out in the woods, guess what? He knows that. Because he's the all-knowing God. He knows what's going on all the time. And when I am so stupid, To think I can slip out here somewhere in the dark and do something and get by with it. The only one who counts has got me caught. And we need to understand that. So we're we're going to be judged according to that which we have done in the body. By the way, there's a religious group that teaches once saved, always saved. And their argument is uh, the soul's saved and what the flesh does is beside the point. What? Read Matthew chapter 15. Where the Bible says that every sin comes forth from the heart. That's where the sin comes forth from. Murders. Thefts. Blasphemies. Lying. Whatever it might be. You know, Jim Dearman comes up here and he lays down a $100 bill on the table. I catch y'all's heads turned and I stick it in my pocket. Well, let's say Jim catches me. And I had to fess up. And I said, well, Jim, I didn't, the real me didn't want to take it. My hand got it. Now, you wouldn't believe that, would you? That's what these people want us to believe. The flesh does one thing, and the inner man has no control over it. Tell that to a judge. You shoot and kill somebody. Well, I really didn't do that. My hand pulled the trigger. No, you're going to go to the penitentiary for what your hand did because you're the one that pulled the trigger. We're going to be judged by our words. In Matthew 12, 36, 37, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How many of you tell jokes that are needless? You just tell a good, clean joke that's useless. Look at the idle words. That's not what it's talking about. I've had people try to tell me, Wesley, you told a joke and you shouldn't do that. What? Look at the context, Matthew chapter 12. What has taken place there? Jesus Christ has cast out demons and guess what they said? You do it by the power of Beelzebub and the Lord says you will answer for those idle words. That's what's under consideration. Laughter is good for us. You know a good, clean joke when the service is over? I'd love to hear it. Because laughter is good. It's not talking about that kind of thing at all. So don't let someone try to take this verse and say, well, you can't tell a joke. I've had people try to use that on me. This is talking about the context of what took place in Matthew chapter 12. The secret things that we have done will be at the judgment. Look at Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 again. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know, I know of a preacher that went to hold a gospel meeting, took his wife with him. It's always good to take your wife if you can. And uh, he introduced his wife to everybody there in the congregation. They stayed in the same motel room together. The only problem was someone back home got extremely sick. And his real wife called one of the elders and said, I need to get in touch with my husband because we've got a family member that's extremely sick. Now, if you'd have been that preacher, wouldn't you hate to face that eldership? But more importantly, wouldn't you hate to face God with that? That's unreal. See, that was a secret thing. Now, he didn't get by with it in this life. You know, Paul told Timothy, Some men's sins go before. In other words, you know what they are. But some follow after. We didn't know about them. But God knows about them. And we need to keep that in mind. I know an elder, I was told this story when I was at the Memphis School of Preaching. An elder in the Lord's Church that lived in this city about 50% of the time because of his job... And in this city about 50% of the time and about 500 miles apart. Well, he'd fly back and forth to his job until one day the plane crashed and it killed him. And two women came to claim the body. He had a wife and family in both cities. Well, he had the church fooled, but he didn't have God fooled. Now, folks, you can slip around behind people's back and do things secretly, but you're not getting by with it. I'm not getting by with it because the only one that knows is God and he's the only one that counts. Well, who will be the judge? Jesus Christ will be the judge. Judgment day. John 5, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Notice these verses again. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day into which he will judge the world in righteousness. Now watch it. By that man whom he hath ordained or appointed, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Lord, what's my assurance that I'm going to be at the judgment? I raised my son from the dead, and everything he says is true. And just as certainly as I raised my son from the dead, Wesley, there's going to be a judgment, and you better stand there having repented. That's what we're being told right here. Every individual better stand there having repented. Notice the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In Romans 14:10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, God has committed all judgment to the Christ, and that's only fair. He came and took on flesh, suffered and died for you and me. And begs us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if we choose to say no, thank you, who should be able to judge that situation better than the Christ? So he's going to be the judge come judgment day. What will be the standard? Now, there's a thing going around in denominational churches, and it's been going around for years. Give me the man. Not the plan. We're divided over the plan. See, if you say you got to do this, I might say you got to do this. Now we're divided. So let's be sold on the man. Or to put it another way, let's love God and love Christ and forget about our belief system. Watch this verse. He that rejecteth me, that's the man. And receiveth not my words, that's the plan. Hath one that judgeth him. The word, that's the plan. That I, that's the man. Have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. Folks, you can't have the man without the plan. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Luke 6, 46. If you love me, keep my commandments. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. John 14, 15, and John fifteen, fourteen. You see, you're only a friend to the Lord, and I'm a friend of the Lord if and only if we do what he says. Now that's the bottom line. We're going to be judged by the Word of God. We have some people that call the program. They're all upset with us because they say, Wesley, you believe in pattern theology. Well, yeah, that's right. I'm guilty. Does God have a pattern for the plan of salvation? Or, to put it another way, has he told us what to do? Yes. Has he got a pattern for worship? Yes. A pattern for the organization of the church? Yes. A pattern for what is true morality? Yes. Now, folks, if there's no pattern, you and I can do anything and everything we want to do, and that's what they want. But we must follow the pattern. Do what God Almighty has told us to do. In Romans 2.16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, notice it says Jesus is going to be the judge again, according to my gospel. There's the standard. Judgment day, we're going to be judged according to the gospel of Christ. In Revelation 20 and verse number 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open plural, Old and New Testaments. And another book was open, which is the book of life. See, when that book is opened, they'll be looking for my name, your name. Now, if my name is in there and disinherited, or to put it the way Revelation 22:18 18 and 9 says, taken from it because of disobedience, then I'm not going to be saved. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I don't have to worry about being judged by the Old Testament. I'm not under Old Testament law. But I will be judged according to the gospel, like Paul says. According to the words of Jesus. Well, what's the purpose of the judgment day? It is not to gather information. The Lord's not going to stand there and scratch his head and try to say, Now, wait till all the information is in, and we'll try to see if you're going to go to heaven or go to hell. No, friends, you came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave it with a record. Now, you're taking a record with you, the things you did and did not do. And those will face you at the judgment. Do you know there are going to be people lost judgment day that's not going to understand why to some degree? Lord, did we not do many mighty works in your name, prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? And then will I profess unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Well, you're talking about a sad situation. Go all the way through life and entire life's journey thinking you're saved. Take your last breath only to find out you're lost? And you're going to argue with the Lord about it? Lord, look at all we've done. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What's the problem? The problem is Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I was in a Bible study down in Malden, South Carolina. We had a campaign going on down there. And a lady said to me, You know what your problem is, Wesley? I was studying with her. No, what's my problem? You're hung up on doing something. You don't have to do anything. I said, Well, I got it from the Lord. You didn't get that from the Lord. I said, I sure did. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? After I quoted those two verses to her, she didn't know what to say. I don't know whether she'd ever heard those, heard those verses or not. Well, it's not to give us a second chance. In Luke sixteen nineteen and following, when the rich man died, lifted up his eyes in torments, and he appealed unto Abraham, Please let Lazarus stick his finger in water and touch my tongue. Abraham said, look, don't worry about it. This is temporary. You're going to get a second chance. No, he didn't tell him that. That was it. He got one chance. We tell people that listen to our radio program, you get one shot at this. Just one. You got to get it right. That's why I try to encourage people. You better investigate what you hear me say. You better investigate what you hear anyone say. Uh, That might say, that's claiming to speak in the name of the Lord. That's your responsibility. The Bible says, try the spirits. Why? Many false teachers have gone out into the world. So you better not take anybody's word for it. Listen, your soul is too precious, eternity is too long, and hell is too hot for you to take somebody's word on what you ought to do to be a child of God. You better study your Bible. So you're not going to get a second chance and there's not going to be a new beginning here on earth. Now during the days of Noah, when the world was destroyed for the first time, there was a new beginning. Noah, his wife, three sons and their wives were to replenish the earth and start anew. But not this time, at the second coming. The heavens and the earth will be destroyed, melt with fervent heat. And then you and I will either be lost or be saved. Friends, we're here to make a decision between going to heaven or going to hell. We're here for soul making or developing. How are you doing? Are you really preparing for eternity? If you're not, you're going to be in trouble come judgment day. The Lord has provided a way whereby you and I can be saved. If we will listen to him, he wants us to go to heaven. You know, some people picture God as being up in heaven with his little old pad. I saw that. You're in trouble over that, Wesley. No, he's on my side. You mean to tell me he gave his son up on Calvary's cross for me and then he's up there with a little pad hoping I'll goof up? Not at all. When I stumble and falter and fail, He, in essence, is saying, get up, get up, put your eyes on us again, the Godhead. And what we say, you can make it. That's the attitude of the Godhead. They want you to be saved. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible tells us. Now, what must you do if you're not a child of God and you're here tonight? You've got to hear the word of God, because faith cometh by hearing, hear by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Put your faith in Jesus. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John eight twenty four. Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then we've got to confess the Lord before men. He says, if you won't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And then finally, you take the last step in order to be saved. He that believeth and is, and is baptized shall be saved. Believeth, and being baptized, comes before shall be saved. So then we got to be baptized in order to be saved. That's a test of your faith. Will you do what God asked you to do? Then the Lord will add you to his church. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Jim was talking about our radio program. And by the way, you can listen to it right here. Chattanooga, Georgia, all over the world. By typing in AriseToTruth.com And clicking on the microphone at 2 o'clock Each Tuesday and Thursday You can hear the program live But we've had people call Wesley, I'm pretty impressed with what uh, What y'all teach I'd like to consider joining the Church of Christ Sorry sir, we can't let you Can't let you? Why, Why can't you let me? Because We can't let anybody join it But now if you want to obey the gospel The Lord will add you to it. And we'll be glad to fellowship you. See they don't understand that concept. See the religious world believes you become saved. And then you go out here and find a good. As they put it Bible believing church. Well once they enter that category. They're not a Bible believing church. There's only one church. And if you obey the right plan of salvation. The same plan of salvation that you obey. Will make you a member of the body of Christ. Then be faithful. And when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. If you're here tonight, you've not been faithful. Then if the Lord comes right now, you're in trouble. So why not repent? Come back home. As together we stand and sing.